This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Hello and welcome to In Focus. I'm PJ George, your host for today. The central government had issued a notice to Twitter after the microblogging platform reinstated several accounts that the government wanted blocked. Twitter, which initially complied with the request and blocked accounts and tweets that mentioned farmer genocide, later reinstated the content, reportedly saying that it constituted free speech and was newsworthy. The government's initial order on January 31 asked Twitter to block 257 URLs and one hashtag claiming that they were spreading misinformation about the ongoing farmers' protest and could lead to violence. The accounts that were blocked as a result included Caravan India, a news magazine. The order had cited Section 69A of the Information Technology Act in calling for the content to be blocked. How exactly does the IT Act empower the government to order intermediaries such as social media platforms and internet service providers to block content? And what are the consequences for platforms like Twitter if they fail to comply? To explain these, we have with us today Apar Gupta, lawyer and executive director of the Internet Freedom Foundation. Welcome to InFocus, Apar. Thank you. So, Apar, the government order to Twitter was issued under Section 69A of the IT Act. How does this section empower the government to order a private entity like Twitter to block postings uh, from the public? What is it that is there in this section? So, Section 69A is inserted by an amendment to the Information Technology Act in 2008. And uh, this amendment is passed without debate in Parliament. So one knows very little as to the underlying reasons or any specific controversy which led to the insertion of this power. It's a power which empowers the central government to uh, authorize people to direct uh, blocking for public access of any information through any computer resource. And one when thinks of this, it can be a website which is directed to be blocked from an internet service provider like Airtel or Geo. It can be uh, also a specific page on a social media intermediaries uh, platform such as Facebook, like a fan page or a individual tweet on Twitter. Or it can also be a country-wide block on, let's say, a user account. This is the principal power. And the rules for this, which essentially flesh out the procedure and have the process explained within it, are contained within um, what are called uh, uh, blocking rules, which were made in 2009. And this defines what's the process under which this entire power is exercised. And there's another clause in this power under Section 69A that spells out the consequence for non-compliance, which is... uh, potential um, punishment for imprisonment for a term which may extend to seven years and also a fine. And it's not about the fine. It's about also the criminal prosecution of any 
intermediary essentially which is issued this direction for disabling disabling this computer resource so very broad power uh, in favor of the government uh, and the grounds under which it can exercise it are matching uh, the reasonable restrictions clause under article 192 uh, the procedure for this is defined under the 2009 blocking rules and the penalty for non compliance is on conviction a jail term of 7 years all right twitter uh, complied with this request uh, initially but uh, later reinstated them and the government is not so happy with this you had mentioned about the penalties that twitter could possibly face one if they do not comply what could be their arguments here from the twitter side to justify their uh, reinstating and what could be their line of defense on this what how do you see it so one thing to keep in mind when we chat about this specific instance in which a direction was given by the government to twitter to suspend several accounts is that the direction is not public and the legal order is not public and also there's no press release which is uh, shedding light as to the reasons the number of the accounts and the name of the accounts which have been directed by the government so we are to some degree working in a realm of speculation however there is some reasonable inferences which we can still draw the reason for this speculation also arises from the procedure as i was outlining earlier which has been made in 2009 the blocking rules rule 16 of the blocking rules has a regulation contained within it which permits a high level of secrecy and lack of transparency in which requests and complaints which are sent which are examined by the government and then orders and directions are issued by it for blocking of uh, any such web resources which may be user accounts is secret and they are considered confidential so uh, one does not know the reasons of blocking orders ever one does not know against which websites or urls it's specifically directed and one does not know why these things are happening and uh, just in case of the sequence of events initially twitter blocks the accounts and thereafter restores them and this also contributes to the confusion which comes with secrecy because none of this correspondence is directly in the public domain we just have press reports and observable behavior in the public domain by being twitter users ourselves so one can only draw sense by looking at the rules and trying to decipher what's happening my reasonable assessment is that the government actually issued this order under rule 9 of the blocking rules which permitted to issue emergency blocking directions blocking directions and orders can be issued in two forms one are emergency blocking directions which dispense with the requirement of a show cause notice a hearing in which a impacted party which has been directed to take down user content gets the chance of giving evidence and presenting a defense what has happened is that when you issue a emergency blocking order you first need to comply with the blocking order and then you are given a opportunity of presenting your defense and coming for a hearing and this is distinct from the regular process now in the emergency directions what may have occurred is that once they were issued to twitter twitter complied with them in good faith 
to show that it is compliant with the regulation and the order. And thereafter, when it would have requested for a hearing before government, it would have presented legal arguments why the actual direction and the order given to it is actually violative of the constitutional uh, right to fundamental right to freedom of speech and expression. This could have occurred because the order itself seems to be fairly disproportionate in terms of outcome as observable in the public domain. The consequence of the order was not towards disabling individual tweets, but came towards entire accounts. It also seemed to be factually erroneous, even if we go with a consistent and uniform explanation of these accounts instigating some form of behavior or engaging in some form of speech, which was uh, considered to be linked to the farmer protests because the directions resulted in accounts being withheld not only for individual users who were tweeting in support of the farmers' protest, but also a press publication, which happens to be the Caravan magazine, but also, most significantly, the head of the Prasar Bharti, Mr. Shashi Thakar, who as a government officer was in fact tweeting in support of the government and against the ongoing farmer protests. Hence, they did display a level of uh, irrationality if it uh, if this order, and we are presuming to a reasonable uh, uh, extent, this order has a one uniform explanation attached to it because all the accounts were also suspended at the same moment in time in a coordinated action by Twitter. Thanks, Apar. Now, one case that is often cited when it comes to the role of intermediaries and uh, postings on the internet is the Shreya Segal case and the Supreme Court verdict in that. In that case, while uh, it read down the rules and regulations and uh, uh, 66A, uh, the court had at that time upheld 69A. Would you be able to to go into some of the reasonings of the court at that time? You had mentioned that the order is secret and uh, that there is no public view into what what has the platform has been asked to do. Can you go into the court's reasoning at that time? So, unfortunately, in the case of Shreya Singhal versus Union of India, the Honorable Supreme Court did not spend a great amount of time deliberating as to the censorship which will be caused under Section 69A as a direction because it reasoned that these directions could be challenged before the High Court. It did not specifically comment on whether the lack of transparency and the secrecy of the orders would impact the judicial remedy, which it quite certainly does. A secret order requiring censorship of a website not only impacts, for instance, if you just use the present fact scenario, the author, the editors and the publishers of the Caravan magazine in terms of reaching their online audience on such a important public platform for conversations such as Twitter, but also impacts the readers of that magazine. And this links to the fundamental right to freedom of speech and expression, where a person's right to speech comes also from the fundamental right to receive information and participate in conversation and knowledge. So essentially, the court did not seem to notice this. It also drew a distinction between uh, the problems under the blocking rules, not only through non-examination, but I think also with a certain degree 
of comparison with Section 66A because it utilizes a legal doctrine called vagueness to strike down Section 66A uh, in which it says that the provision under Section 66A is so broad, so vague, it can be used to commence a legal prosecution, which means essentially FIR can be registered for any online post. But under Section 69A, the immediate consequence is essentially only censorship in which only a piece of online content is being blocked. Hence, it does not automatically result in a criminal case being registered. And the criminal case only comes into life when there is a non-compliance of the direction for blocking of the website. Hence, the penal consequence is not immediately available. So, I think on these footings, the court actually avoided uh, looking at Section 69A and the process for it um, a little more deeply. I think there are core problems with the holding in Shreya Singhal versus Union of India for all of its benefits and all of its excellent reasoning in 66A, which do not extend to Section 69A, which we are seeing uh, in the present fact situation to be fairly problematic, antithetical to the fundamental right to freedom of speech and expression, but also antithetical to a person's right to receive information and seek judicial remedy for the enforcement of these rights because the order remains secret and you can't challenge something which you don't have in your hand and take it to court as easily. Also further, I would like to indicate that the Internet Freedom Foundation is representing an ongoing case in the High Court of Delhi in which a website has been blocked secretly without providing a hearing opportunity for evidence as well as the final text of the legal, uh, legal order for blocking even to the author of that website and uh, this is a practice which is very antithetical to our values and systems under the Indian constitution. Okay now the role of intermediaries is something that has become more evident and is coming up for debate across the globe in uh, recent times, particularly in the US due to the election process and their experience of the previous four years and uh, across the world as well. Now, uh, India has Section 79 of the IT Act, which is uh, the safe harbor law, which is a sort of parallel to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of uh, the US. What I want to look at is what is going on regarding safe harbor and intermediary laws in India? What is the thought process currently and uh, what seems to be their prospects going forward? Uh, particularly, there is a draft for the guidelines and rules for the IT Act that is currently being circulated. So what does it say and are there any changes that you are seeing? So, um, George, what you are talking about essentially relates to a principle in which online social media platforms or any kind of information exchange intermediary can also be an ISP. It's not ordinarily liable for the content which is posted by an end user. It adopts from the legal principle and standard that a telephone company should not be liable for one of its customers um, making a call with a bomb threat. And uh, this has allowed uh, social media companies to serve as essential mediums 
for online conversation. This conventional understanding has come in for a high degree of dispute and debate globally as to the power of social media companies and platforms, given that they do have algorithms which prioritize speech. And also these algorithms sometimes serve content selectively, playing to the biases and personality preferences of each individual user thereby creating filter bubbles, deepening political biases, and also having larger social impacts, which can uh, essentially uh, draw deeper divisions in society on the basis of political preferences. Uh, Here, uh, there are two uh, clear principles which have a high rate of, which have almost achieved a very high rate of adoption with digital rights organizations. Uh, For instance, IFF is one digital rights organization. There are many other uh, in India and globally. And secondly, with academics, as well as uh, with the UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Speech and Expression, uh, earlier Mr. Frank Gilaru, and at present Mr. David K. These two principles are firstly transparency, How do social media companies take down content by themselves when they are not under court direction? And second is accountability, to also be accountable for those decisions. And social media companies also make you sign a terms of service so they can take down content by themselves which do not fit within the boundaries of that user agreement, which also causes sometimes a huge degree of dispute. Why they are taking certain actions? Why is Donald Trump's account being taken down? what actually qualifies in addition to a policy and operational practice. And secondly, governments are also fairly active in this area because they are saying that intermediaries sometimes refuse to comply with directions and court orders and they contest them, as has happening in this case. But it's happening under Section 69A, which is a direction of blocking. So it's giving rise to another level of uh, concern, especially in government quarters uh, with respect to how platforms are actually compliant with laws. And there's a larger conversation, of course, about are platforms too powerful, which could be a case for examination of whether they're monopolies uh, in terms of competitiveness, which is better suited through analysis through competition law. Or secondly, do platforms engage in behaviors which have specific impacts on um, on society, for instance, in elections where possibly the election commission may need to step in. But this kind of larger sentiment against platforms is also giving a unique opportunity to governments to extend a larger amount of control over platforms, not for the benefit of the end user or to advance the values of free speech or to prevent hate speech. It's sometimes just to make a greater degree of executive and political control possible over platforms. We have seen a manifestation of this in the proposals which are there in the existing draft intermediaries rules guidelines. So the Indian law which provides this exemption from liability for online platforms is under section 79 it basically says that twitter facebook are not liable for the acts of their users and the users remain liable for instance if somebody tweets something defamatory twitter is not and co-accused uh in that criminal defamation complaint it's the end user 
And all Twitter needs to do is when that criminal complaint is filed in a court, when a court passes an order and says that, hey, we find a prima facie case uh, of defamation and Twitter's directive to take it down. As soon as Twitter, Twitter takes down that content complying with the court order, it maintains its immunity. So that's the present setup under Section 79. But what the government has done, it's through a draft uh, which was circulated about one and a half to about two years back and has not been progressed subsequent to it, uh, has been insertion of various conditions, for instance, mandatory verification, uh, repeated reminders, uh, long periods of retention of user data and uh, mandates for algorithm-driven censorship, which could result in overbought censorship, for instance, because the algorithms are really bad at deciphering context and language is such a wonderful thing. And also the internet provides us uh, other modes such as using GIFs or uh, emojis that algorithms which would uh, essentially cause censorship in instances which are unintended and possibly leave aside hate speech or the categories of speech which do need to be censored. So the draft intermediaries guidelines are so problematic, even though they were floated about one and a half years, two years back, they remain inoperational. They have not been proceeded with. And I think a good way to handle the conversation on platforms is to look at the specific harms they're causing and the specific instances of regulation which are needed. And I do think regulation is needed. It should build off principles which encourage platforms to act more responsibly, but also have provisions for imposing legal liability if they fail to comply with possibly regulations and direct orders by, for instance, the Election Commission. Okay, thanks, Apar. I think that brings us to the uh, conclusion of it. It has given me much clarity and I'm sure it will uh, bring much clarity to our listeners as well. Thanks once again, Apar, for joining us for this discussion. Thank you so much, George. I'm uh, glad to be a part of this conversation, especially as a Hindu reader myself and a long-standing loyal one. Thank you so much. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.